Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. Woo! And today we're covering Season 3, Episode 17, In Heat. I hate that title so much. Yes. Um, I, I have been noticing a little bit of a trend in Criminal Minds that I don't like, and I feel like I have to bring it up now. Uh-huh. I'm noticing that, like, a lot of times when we have the child abduction cases and the child rape cases, it's like a man stealing a boy. Between that and then a lot of the stuff we saw, like, re the cross-dressing and then this particular episode, they're, like, trying to use being gay To be, like, something that, like, set people over the edge (laughs) and set them on a killing spree. Yeah. And part of me is like, okay, well, maybe it's because this is literally a show about serial killers. They're not going to have episodes just about, like, gay guys that don't kill people. But I'm just like... That was, like, my general big note for this episode. And I, like, again, like, maybe we're coming in a little hot. Like, we haven't even said our fun facts yet. But I'm like, can we just let the gay people be happy? Like, I'm just, like, very tired of seeing uh, people, like, in the community suffering on television. And, like, that's been, like, an issue, like, for years. Like, this isn't, like an issue specific to criminal minds. Like we see that happen like all the time. It's kind of like almost a joke now that like one of the lesbians is going to die. Like you never get to see them be live happily ever after. Um, It's always trauma and everything. So it's just, it's frustrating because again, like this is like the, these seasons are older. This is, you know, an older part of the show. So like, we're not, expecting perfection or like more contemporary uh things on television but it's just disappointing (laughs) yeah and i just like i i don't know like i was trying to think in my head like how could they have done this better and it would have been to have a member of the team be lgbtq which they tried because they wanted emily to be gay and they wanted reed to be bisexual but the writers were like nope well, then, then the, the writers were like, yes, and the network was like, nope. So I watch it as if they still are gay. <laughs> yes, yes. So I just, I don't like that moment when, like, they're, like, look at each other and they were like, it's a man killing men because he <laughs> likes men. I'm like, what the fuck, y'all? Okay, anyway, fun. let's do fun facts. Do you okay? Here, here's another fun fact. Last episode, I did one about my work, and I was like, I, "Lots of crazy shit happens to me at work," and I'm like, "You know, it is what I do every day." So maybe I could do more fun facts about that and less about me getting my goddamn nails done. 
I had a client who I did a home visit for to do an application with her. I don't know. I was talking to her and she was older and I was like trying to make her feel good about stuff. And she, her son was maybe going to move back in with her. And I was like, well, it would be nice to have a guy who can like open jars for you. And she was like, oh no, I don't need that. Look. And she comes out of her kitchen and she's got like this white, like, it's like a weird, I don't even know what sort of texture this thing is, but it's like a a circular thing with indentations and she like uses it to open a jar and she was like, take them. They're great because I always have like serious issues opening jars because I'm a weak, weak person. And she gave me a lot of them. And normally like I'll have a rubber band around it or I'll run under hot water or whatever. This shit works. Okay. I don't know what they are, but I called her like a week later and I was like, Joan, you came through. You have changed my life. I can open any bottle ever. I don't need my husband to come home. I don't need a strong friend to help me. I can do it myself. They're so cool. 10 out of 10. Absolutely recommend. I will link them. They're like probably like 50 cents at your local supermarket. They're great. I will tell you a fun fact related to that then. Ooh, love it. Um, I have little hands. Um, <laughs> I I have little baby hands. And um, I'm not super weak, but I'm not, you know, I'm petite. Um, and there was a point uh, over, a little over a year ago at this point, definitely over a year ago at this point, and um, it was before I graduated and when I was living like right off campus uh, in a house with roommates, my ex-boyfriend, but who was my boyfriend at the time, um, lived in my neighborhood like two blocks away. And there was one point when I was trying to make breakfast, I was making toast and I couldn't get my jar of jam open. And I literally like texted him and was like, are you awake? I'm coming over. I can't get this open. And I drove all the way to his house, which was like, you know, a 10 minute drive less than that. It was just, you know, up the street. And I was like, hey, please open this for me. He's like, your roommates like can't do it. I'm like, she's asleep. Help. So I, I did fully drive over to his house so he could open a jar of like raspberry jam for me. I love that. That's amazing. And that's how high maintenance I am. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I, I got to tell you that. We are in no way, shape, or form associated with the television show Criminal Minds. All right. And I will tell you our rating criteria. Um, So every episode has the potential to score up to 100 points. In these five categories, they can score up to 20. Those categories being criminal slash serial killer, character development slash character arcs, forensics and context, script writing, and background characters. We open in Miami, Florida to some sexy dancing. We see a sensual MILF approach a bartender. She hands him money and we can see that she's wearing a wedding ring. Scandalous. Cut to the same bartender and the MILF getting handsy in a boat docked on the marina. And he says, Mi linda, precioso, hermosa. And they're about to fuck, and then a body floats up in the water and kills the mood. 
<laughs> if I saw a body, I would simply can no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Garcia coming home. All the lights are off. And she fumbles trying to turn on the light. Then we hear Kevin's disembodied voice coming out of the darkness. And he tells her that he shut the breaker off. He lights a candle and we see that he's prepared a fancy dinner set at her kitchen table. And he says, quote, because you said you couldn't make dinner. I brought dinner to you. He tells her that she's too stressed out and she deserves a vacation in the land of no keyboards. She says that she doesn't know what she would do with herself in the land of no keyboards. And Kevin pulls whipped cream out of nowhere and is like, I can think of a few things. I love it. I love Kevin. Me too. I want to be romanced like that. Cut to BAU headquarters in Quantico, Virginia. We learned that the body, the MILF and the bartender found earlier was that of Charles Louvet. He's the third victim to be found in Miami in the past three months. Daniel Brown, the second victim, was found partially buried in the sand dunes, and Paul Hayes was stuffed inside a dumpster. JJ tells the team that although the locations of the bodies have all been different, many of the elements of the crimes are still the same. All males, 25 to 35, all traveling so they weren't from Miami originally, all asphyxiated with no signs of sexual assault. Morgan suggests that because the victims have all been tourists, the motive could be robbery. Reed points out that all of the victims were in shape and that there was no obvious signs of ligature marks or other trauma. JJ points out that Charles Louvet, the latest victim, was actually a cop from New Orleans, came to Miami for a local regatta, which is a fancy boat competition, right? It's like a... I realized that I didn't really know 100% what that was. It's like a... I literally have no idea. Look it up. It's saying a sporting event consisting of a series of boat or yacht races. Charles Louvet, the latest victim, was was coming to town to compete in a series of boat races. There are currently four missing white men in Miami that fit the description of potential victims, so the team prepares to head to Miami. Cut to Miami, we meet Detective Tina Lopez from the Miami PD. She and Morgan eye fuck each other. And surprise! Here he is. Here he fucking is. We've been waiting. We've been over here horny and waiting for him. Detective William LaMontagne has arrived from New Orleans. And I'm confused because I feel like episode one, like the first episode he was in Jones, they were calling him Bill, but now they're calling him Will. Yeah. Right? I'm not crazy. No, I think he was always Will. I thought it was Bill in the first episode because it was like Billy, remember? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. People sound off in the notes, but now they're calling him Will. Detective Lopez is like, oh, you guys know each other? And JJ is like, professionally. We know each other professionally. JJ corners Will and is like, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me you were working this case? And Will is like, you still haven't told them about us? Meaning that they have been dating since Jones, we can assume. 
And she's like, quote, no, it's just in this team, everyone knows everything about everyone. There's no privacy. My personal life is one less thing that they can profile. And Will is like, that's bullshit. Also, I don't think I mentioned it, but he was Charles Louvet's partner. So that's why he's here. He's not just here to stalk JJ. Uh, Rossi and Prentice look at Paul Hayes's personal effects. He told his wife he was in Florida on business, but none of his suits have been worn. Rossi points out that Paul's body was found wearing running clothes, but they find his wedding ring in the hotel. And people don't go running and take off their wedding rings for that sweet, sweet exercise. Will identifies Charles Louvet's body, and he is obviously devastated. Later, he, Hotch, and JJ are looking through Louvet's stuff. Hotch finds a receipt for a rental car and heads off to follow that lead. After he leaves, Bill touches JJ on the shoulder, and JJ freaks out. All right, Will touches. I'm just whatever. I wrote Bill. I'm not sure. You know who I mean. JJ's boyfriend, goddammit. She touches him on the, sh- he touches her on the shoulder and he, she freaks out and he's like, standing in my dead partner's room and you think I'm in the mood for grab ass? I mean, <laughs> like, what was the move? Why were you touching her if you didn't want like physical affection from her? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to fault him for this. Yeah, I know. He's going through it right now, and she's being shitty to him. Hotch calls Garcia to ask if she can track down Charles Louvet's rental car, and she does. Morgan Reed and Detective Lopez find the car and search through the, through the rental car's GPS to find the last place that Charles Louvet went. And Detective Lopez recognizes the address as a local gay bar. Hotch, JJ, and Bill talk to a local regatta master who tells them that there is no regatta during this time of the year. Cut to a man getting out of a pool. We see another man, this one wearing a cowboy hat, admiring the pool guy from an outdoor bar. Pool man introduces himself to cowboy hat and introduces himself as a police officer from New Orleans named Charles Louvet. And he does a pretty good accent, a little New Orleans accent. So Cowboy Hat tells Charles that his name is Deacon Rogers, or Deke for short, and he's from Odessa, Texas. And Charles Louvet says, I hear that everything is bigger there. So this is clearly the unsub masquerading as Charles Louvet zeroing in on his next target. But why is he masquerading as Charles Louvet? Come back to Miami headquarters. Prentice and JJ complain about the heat. Then Prentice is like, at least we have something fun to look at. Keep us on our toes. And JJ is like, what? And Prentice is like, La Montaigne. And JJ's like, uh, oh, yeah, I, I guess he, he has a thing. Meanwhile, Will is beating himself up because he didn't know that his partner, and I think he was like partner of like 
15 years? I don't know. Maybe I'm making that. It's like a long time that he didn't know that Charles Louvet was gay. In fact, Charles Louvet was going to be married in a few months. And Will is like, what do I tell his fiance? He always talks really slow. Usually that bothers me, but for some reason for him, I find it endearing. Yeah, I love him so much. Garcia advises the BAU, uh, Miami PD, and Will that in regards to the last four victims, two of them were openly gay. Now we're getting into our profile. An offender in his mid to late 20s, he would be familiar with the area and maybe offering assistance to those who are not. Um, He clearly studies his victims' habits and learns how to gain their trust. So he's charming, charismatic, and intelligent. Um, He may frequent or work at gay establishments. Given the technique with which he kills, he may have had prior defense tactic training or maybe a member of the military or recently discharged. Um, He steals his victim's possessions, but he doesn't pawn anything. And a fact that he's targeting gay men means this may be a hate crime or the unsub is struggling with his own sexuality. Cut to the unsub, who actually is pretty hot. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, he's kind of hot. 10 out of 10. I'm with Deke the cowboy. I would fuck him. Um, (laughs) So um, cut to the unsub and cowboy hat bigger in Texas, Deke, in a bar. Deke is singing My Way by Los Lonely Boys to the unsub. And we only really get him being like, I'm going to do it my way. And at first you're like, is this my way by Frank Sinatra? My thought too. Or should I say my way by <laughs> my way Sid Vicious's cover of Frank Sinatra? Yep. I know that that one's, yeah. I know that one better than the original. <laughs> Regrets. I've had a few. Oh God. Okay. Uh, anyways. Um. But no, it's it's My Way by Los Lonely Boys. And the unsub is really not into it. Um, he storms off and Deke is like, what's wrong? And the unsub is like, nothing, Cher. I just need some air. Cut to Miami headquarters. JJ walks outside and catches Will telling Charles Louvet's fiance about Charles. I, I cannot imagine that conversation. Will is upset about his partner and he's also upset that JJ is not told the rest of the team. And like in his defense, like it's probably one compounding the other. And like, he's just in a really raw and emotional place. So he's like, JJ, should I be worried? It doesn't take a profiler to see that you've got one foot out the door in this relationship. And JJ is like, can you keep your voice down? And Will is like, Hey, yo, I'm crazy about her (laughs) to nobody. And JJ is so uncomfortable. We're about to reenact the scene, you guys. Are you ashamed of this? No. Did I offend you? No. Did I say something wrong? No. You seeing another guy? No. You want to see another guy? No. You want to break up? Yeah. 
No. You do. You're supposed to hop on a plane every week for forever, and neither of us is willing to relocate, so- When did we have that discussion? Well, do you? Maybe. You want to give up your career in New Orleans so that you can live in Quantico, Virginia? Well, uh, I'd at least like to have that option. Look, JJ, all I'm looking for here is an acknowledgement to your friends that you care about me. Why? Why is that so important to you? Why? Have a good night, JJ. Ah, the just change of have a good night is so, ah. And he, the way he just looks at her through this entire scene, it's I heartbreaking. Like, oh. JJ, come on, put it together, girl. I mean, like, it, his partner just died. Like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Cut to the unsub and Deke smoking weed. Deke is like, I- I'm just doing the the accent for everyone. Everyone's just going to have to accept it. It doesn't matter the character. They're going to sound the same because I'm not that talented. I don't have a theater degree. <laughs> so this is Deke. Deke from Texas. Look at me. I'm breaking the law with a cop. I'm a bad, bad boy. I'm badass. Hee hee hoo! Does that mean that you're gonna. <laughs> Does that mean that you're gonna have to handcuff me? Because you can handcuff me if you want. Christ. Deke prepares to give the unsub fellatio, as one does. And, and the unsub freaks out and is like, You're disgusting, filthy, dirty. And the Deke is like, that really hurt. Like, he's kind of, like, not reacting appropriately to what just... Because the unsub, like, hits him. I think the unsub punches him. And Deke is, like, just kind of reeling. And he's like, ow, why did you do that? And then the unsub starts mimicking his accent. The unsub strangles Deke. Rest in peace, bigger in Texas. Cut to the next day. <laughs> this is why this is better than, like, just doing true crime. Because these are not real characters. <laughs> So I could do transitions like that and laugh and not care about hurting people's feelings. Anyways, cut to the next day. The BAU and Detective Lopez find Deke's body. The unsub also ditched Charles Louvet's police badge nearby, almost shedding Charles Louvet's identity. A busboy from the nightclub where Deke and the unsub were before um, tells the BAU that the unsub identified himself as a cop from New Orleans. And Reed is like, transference. And Prentice is like, could be suffering from Cluster B. Reed tells us about Cluster B, and there's one hell of a quote. You might have to do a couple takes until you can get it right. A cluster of personality disorders, also called the erratic, traumatic, emotional cluster, enduring pattern of inner experience and behavior that differentiates itself markedly from the expectations of the individual's culture. And Rossi is like, escape into the fantasy protects him from ever having to look at himself! (laughs) And Morgan is then like, if the unsub lives in their skin... Odds are, I don't know why that's my Morgan voice, but I was, I was just trying to be as sexy as possible. If the unsub lives in their skin, odds are he also lives in their hotel rooms. 
So what does the BAU fucking do? They show up at Deke's hotel room. And they have just missed the unsub. Cut to the unsub. Driving in a car. Los Lonely Boys My Way is playing. And he goes, I'm gonna do it my way. And he's got Deacon's accent. He's wearing Deacon's cowboy hat, speaking into the southern accent. He picks up a hitchhiker from Germany because he has to keep finding random gay men with accents so that the episode can continue. (laughs) Also, this actor is actually German. He was born in Germany, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, shit. So they were probably like, what other accents can you do? And he was like, well, the BAU makes this huge leap that the unsub is actually one of the missing potential. I guess it's not a huge leap, but they make the leap that the unsub is actually one of the potential missing victims. They think the unsub is Stephen Fitzgerald, who has been missing for two months. I I don't know how they figured out it was Stephen, but, you know, whatever. So they go to question the Fitzgeralds. So that's Papa Trash Fitzgerald, and you'll find out why he's Papa Trash Fitzgerald in a second. And then Sister Sarah Fitzgerald. And Hotch, Hotch comes in hot, much like we did at the beginning of this episode. He, he goes, can you confirm that your son Stephen is gay? And I'm like, oh, God, this is just so shitty, because like... If he didn't know and Hotch said this, like that's he's basically coming out for Steven and that's so shitty. And Mr. Fitzgerald is like, there are a number of issues that he needed to sort out. And you're and you're instantly like, okay, so this is where we're going. He's he's a piece of trash. Also, Mr. Fitzgerald is not concerned for his son at all. Quote. Wherever Stephen is, I trust it's a better place for him. And Rossi is like, well, that's a remarkable kind of strength. And Mr. Trash Fitzgerald is like, it's because of my personal relationship with the Lord. So the BAU talks to Stephen's sister, Sarah. She blames herself. She tells them that the last time she saw Stephen, he was happy because he was leaving. Um, but she blames herself because she's the one that gave him money so that he could get out of the house and go to Miami. We cut to Deacon's car. The body of Ger- of the German hitchhiker is found. Morgan finds a receipt from a youth hostel dated from last night. And we learn that the German hitchhiker was named Michael Aldridge. So the BAU heads to local youth hostels looking for the unsub because, quote, He's not becoming his victims by choice. He's doing it because he has to. Cut to Morgan and Detective Lopez finding the unsub at a youth hostel. They evacuate the youth hostel and Stephen is playing cards. He refuses to turn around or acknowledge the name Stephen Fitzgerald. So Morgan is like Michael Aldridge. And then, of course, this gives the actor the chance to use the German accent. Anyways, Morgan gets Stephen to stop being German. Uh, Then at the end, Detective Lopez offers to show Morgan the real South Beach the next time he comes to visit. And Morgan is like, fuck yeah, you will. 
Cut to JJ and Will. She gives Will Charles Louvet's police badge. He says goodbye, and she kind of sadly watches him walk away. The apprentice walks up to JJ and is like, you should go for him. You'd make a cute couple. And JJ's like, one second. And then she runs up after Will and is like, I didn't want to tell anyone because the minute I do, it becomes real. And when it becomes real, people get hurt. And I've always run from getting hurt. And I don't want to run anymore. And then he Mick freaking smooches her. And then like Prentice, Morgan and Reed are all just standing there watching them make out. And they're like, yeah, we, we knew this already. We, we, yeah. Like Prentice is like, finally. And Reed is like, how long have they been doing this for a year? That's that's uh that's the end of the episode. Mixed bag in there. Lots lots of going on. Um do you have a deep dive you want to share? Basically, I was looking up stuff about like identity theft cuz I thought that'd be really interesting. It wasn't as interesting as I had hoped. <laughs> um but just because uh a lot of it now is done online, um which makes sense. And apparently, according to AARP, um, the pandemic uh, was a huge, like, they called it a fertile ground for identity thieves because there was a lot of people doing um, that kind of stuff during the pandemic when applying for, like, loans and unemployment and stuff. And a lot of it was people who were, like, 80-plus years old were the victims of that, especially in 2020. So here are a couple ways to, like, proactively protect yourself from identity theft. And I am guilty of not doing all of these myself. But the big ones are change passwords, logins, and pins for online accounts, especially bank accounts. Place free fraud alert on accounts with, like, three credit bureaus, such as, like, Experian, TransUnion, Equifax. My Discover one is $10, and it checks all of the credit bureaus every every month, yeah. Get a free credit report from annualcreditreport.com. Uh, file a report with your local police department and report a misused social security number. New York State reports 394,000 cases of identity theft-related unemployment fraud in 2020. And that is up drastically due to the pandemic from 93 in 2019 and 30 in 2018. Oh my God, you guys. People at my work, like, were, were getting that kind of stuff happening to them too. Like, my, um, like, a supervisor, she was like, yeah, I have all these, like, fraudulent unemployment claims that were made by people who work here who were not laid off um and we know that it wasn't them that she had to like deal with which was like a pain in the pain in the ass i had a client who had that happen to him and he told me that he reported it to the police and the police officer taking his report was like yeah they did it to me too (laughs) i was like oh my god you guys But also, like, that's kind of on unemployment because someone who's, like, 85 years old is not going to be, like, 
applying for unemployment. Like they were just putting through anything when it would like, it's just the way that they've changed it now. So you have to like submit like face ID and video ID of yourself. But like in the beginning, they were just like giving it to anyone who applied and not checking up. That's crazy. Uh, Should we rate this episode? Yes. Uh, What do you think about the criminal slash serial killer? He's very hot, and I, like, do think impersonation is, like, really fun to explore in shows like this. I just wish they had done a little bit more. Yeah, I I think he was a really good actor. I liked all the different accents. I like that they tried to make the Lost Lonely Boys song my way, like, the next big thing. Like, we would all know what the song is. I had to look that shit up, and I had to listen to a bunch of different ones cause, like to figure out what it is. I don't know. Should we just give it a 10? Yeah. Uh, Character development and character arcs. Oh my god, JJ, just date him! Yes! Well, she does now. Like, now it's in the public eye. Yeah. So I feel like we have to give points for that. 15? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that struggle was... It was bullshit, but it was still, like... I was there for it. Like, I didn't like that she was doing it, but I was invested. Uh, Forensics and context. I I honestly think this whole thing is bullshit. They just don't get into the pathology of it. And like, it just, it, uh, it, I I don't even know what to say because it just all seems so shitty. I wish they had just like been like, He's like a con man, because that's more of what it was. And, like, that would have been more interesting, but they didn't. They were like, because he's gay, he's confused. And that's why he's killing people. Right. And I also, like, didn't need the whole, like, homophobic dad part. I was like, I don't, we don't need any of this. Would have been so much more interesting if the dad had been super supportive and, like, they had been, like, a really, like, loving family. 10. Okay. All right. Script writing. Okay. It's hard because it's like, I thought the dialogue between Will and JJ was pretty good. Um, and like, you know, exciting. Uh, but I did not think the rest of it was anything remarkable. I mean, maybe we should just give background characters like 20 and then give this one a 10, you know? To, like, acknowledge that we love Will and we stan him and we love to see him kissing JJ. Yeah, I'm fine with that. 65. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. You can follow us at Unsubs Podcast on all of the social medias. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me, yournewapartment.tumblr.com. And you can follow me at Between Stage and Screen Podcasts on all streaming services and Between Stage and Screen Podcasts on Instagram. Yeah. Well, peace out, guys.